Hello everyone, my name is Joy. This is special education information and we have my lovely Sterling to contribute to the conversation when he feels like it and we never know when that is. Anyway, so I was looking at the stats on the downloaded uh, podcasts that I've put up and one of the biggest ones is the stories on my classroom. And I thought, well, I have a whole lot more than just that. And so maybe if I start writing them down and then sharing them from time to time, that could be a lot of fun. So I have done that. I've written down a bunch and I thought I could just read them off the way that I have them in my journal here. And I recommend for teachers and even parents, uh, take the time and write down the stories that you run into that especially might be meaningful in the future. And then you could spread your own stories or maybe we could all put them together and create a book. That would be kind of neat. Anyway, um, so I have a few and I'm just going to read them the way I have them and you can take them or leave them. So this story takes place when I was working with the elementary kids. They ranged in age from 6 to 12. Yeah, I know, kind of a crazy elementary age group, but that's what it was. And... This particular child that it centers upon is a 90 pound little one and came barely up to my waist. And she often found herself doing things that was not approved of by any of the adults in the classroom. And so here we go. She did what? She climbed into the toilet and Carol, my wonderful paraprofessional, told me, wet, apparently from toilet water. And, I asked, as I helped another student out of her jacket, and she's playing with what's in there. Oh, jeez, what a mess. I stood up and handed Airy her jacket. Go hang that up and you have some free time. The students were used to the drama by now that Nancy often caused. I called out to the room. Free time until lunch, I heard one chair and smiled. Okay, let's see what we can do about all this, I said to Carol. I talked, I, I'll take care of handling her. I'm already wet, just tell me what, what to do. What to do? I never had a student climb into and play with what's in a toilet before. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I should have a clue, but I, what was I supposed to do? Carol went in first and I stood in the doorway and basically stared at Nancy, soaking wet and, well, gross. Nancy, playtime is over. It's time to come out. She ignored me. Her usual response to most people, especially when they wanted her to stop what she was having fun doing. Nancy, we need to clean up. You're playing with something gross and you don't like gross. Carol is going to help you out. Go ahead and see if she will come out, I said to Carol. She did, thank goodness, this time. I handed Carol some spare clothes, both for her and for Nancy, and sent them to the locker room to wash up. Ew, the things that they forget to warn you about when they're teaching you how to teach in teacher school. It actually took a lot longer for her to get out of the toilet than that perceives there, but I didn't want to go on and on about it. And it is, it's true. They don't teach you how to deal with situations like that, at least not the schools that I went to. 
And that's unfortunate, but maybe they just don't want to scare off potential teachers. And you would think that the teachers at the school you're going to teach at would have some advice on things like that, but they didn't give me any advice. So what do you do? You get creative. And luckily people donate clothes to my classroom to allow the children to have things for them to change into when icky situations like that occur. So if you're a teacher and you haven't done this and you're a new teacher going in, collect some clothes from Goodwill or see if parents can donate clothes that are too small for the kids that they have that are older, uh, any number of places, but get some old clothes that you can keep on hand. Just put them in a basket and put them up on a high shelf so that when it happens, you'll have something to be able to help the situation recover. This is also the same group of kids, the six to 12 year olds. This one child was English language learner. She was born very, very early and so had some delays, but she was so sweet. So here we go. She'll never learn to read. You should just give up, said another staff member to me. Wow, some things you just don't expect to hear, especially in a special education environment. Yes, this student was going was getting two hours of reading time, one from her reading specialist and one from me. I was approaching it from an ELL angle. ELL is English language learners, and we're all given special training on that in our teaching edu- education school and then second in a, in the school itself. They give you more training for it. So she was getting it for me, getting training for me from an ELL angle and heavy phonics approach and the reading teacher more of whole language kind of approach. We coordinated and never had any big differences of opinions despite using kind of opposite approaches Uh, because our goal was the same. We both wanted this child to read and we both felt that she could do it. Because she was talking in English for the most part, even though her original language was Spanish. So we had just high hopes that, yeah, she's learning to speak English. She already speaks Spanish. Of course she can learn to read. We both knew that the child would someday learn to read. And it was a thrill to watch her go from reading letters to words to sentences to short books to where I then handed her over to this original person that said, oh, she'll never learn to read, to help her develop her English language vocabulary so she would be able to read at an even higher level. She just needed the vocab to keep growing so that she could continue to keep learning. So what's awesome is that that young lady did learn how to read up to the first grade and I never got credit for it. That's okay, it doesn't matter. The kid was learning to read. And what I took away from that whole situation was don't give up on the kids. Just don't. Keep going. Even if all you can do is get five minutes out of them and maybe that takes them two, three weeks to read the letters B, A, C. And then maybe you can introduce K and you have back and ack and cab and any other combination of letters. Introduce at least one uh, vowel that's easy for them and then keep going with that vowel for as long as you can and then bring in 
any of the other vowels, but it's, don't bring in E at first. Leave E alone because E is kind of a confusing letter with the way it changes sounds and the way it affects vowels inside of the word as well. So just ignore E for a little bit and stick to the other vowels. That's just what I've learned is the easiest way to do it and I've seen research supporting that too. I traveled out onto a reservation for a while as part of my caseload. I had three kids down there and I experienced something that kind of surprised me. It took me a while to figure out what was going on because I just get naive like that. And I'll read this and you can see if you put it together faster than I did. So I'm blonde and I'm blue eyed and I'm very fair skin to the point where I walk outside and I sunburn. And this made a difference for a year of my teaching, especially out on this Indian reservation. The secretary at one of the schools never even looked at me. It was such a strange experience that I couldn't get her attention uh, to ask things about like, what's the copier code or can I have some paper or where's the sign-in sheet for, you know, as teachers, when we travel, we have to sign in everywhere we go to show that we've been there. So that was an interesting experience to try to get used to. Eventually we kind of reached this sort of agreement, if you will, which is where I would um, reach out and then she'd leave on the counter for me the paperwork I would need to sign for any various reasons and then the sign-in binder, she'd just push it my way and then kind of toss me a pen. So at least I got what I needed to get done most of the time. And when I needed to get the copier code, then she would write it down on a 3x5 card and kind of toss it at me. So at least I had it. So I just didn't grumble. I was like, okay, got it. Got everything I need. All right, off to go see the kid. I think she kind of learned that I could be as stubborn as she was because I needed the things that she was denying me. And so I would just sit and hang out because really... I had one kid after this particular child and then it was just drive home, which was two hours. So that was uh, the end of my day anyway. What was really weird was I went down there with my supervisor. He was doing a, a he does, he would do these things where he would go along with you for your full day. And he happened to choose my Thursday, which was my day going down to this reservation. And he's extremely tall. And so he jam packed himself into the, into the, car that they give gave us for um traveling and we go down there i start to sign in and this lady in the front counter goes iep she, she spoke to me and I, oh wow and then wait what'd she say iep and that's the the meetings that we get once a year you know that we have to meet as a special ed team and write up goals and stuff and i was like wait why wasn't i informed of this iep and I went back there and sure enough, everybody that's on the kids team that I had there was sitting in the principal's room having an IEP. And I was the person with that was a specialist for his primary disability. And so here's my supervisor and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And this does not go over very well. So I go in there and I'm having to write these IEP goals. I didn't have a chance to close them out from the old one. 
and I'm writing these IEP goals as quick as I can in front of my supervisor and getting them turned in on the IEP and just hoping that I did, you know, the right IEP goals for the following year. It's hard to say because, you know, they change each year and they should. So that was a high amount of embarrassment. Finally, I went to a friend, co-worker, and asked her, you know, hey, she's, she was from out on the reservation. What's going on with all this anyway? So that was pretty blatant with them having an IEP meeting without me there. That seems sort of counterproductive. And she says, she's like, because you're very white and very blue-eyed and very blonde, and they hate that. She's like, they hate that so much, and you're never going to get so that they'll cooperate with you. I was like, oh, okay. I get it. Shows you kind of like how naive I was. I just I'm like, okay, I mean, I get the overall thing, but I'm just an individual. So it was sort of sort of a interesting experience and and one I hope that as time goes by, everything starts to heal from those kinds of experiences for everybody. And then I had this scary experience. This, again, was when I was with the younger kids, uh, but it really tore through my heart what happened. So let me read this. We had one student who came up from Mexico. Through a series of events, she'd been left in an orphanage for a couple of years and not given almost any stimulus at all. And as such, a lot of my work with her was just building English vocabulary very basic words like shoe and hair and jacket and so on. She didn't even really have that in, in Spanish either. She appeared to have little to no motivation to participate or to earn anything. M&Ms, you know, not supposed to use food, but you, you try in your hardest to get something that will motivate. And food, M&Ms, treats, none of that worked. Uh, stickers didn't work. Nothing. I mean, just nothing. I had to keep trying, which is odd. So at this particular school, we had access to a swimming pool. I'd go in the water to occupy the students. So the APE teacher, the adaptive physical education teacher, could focus on one child at a time. I enjoyed this time with the students. I really do. I like swimming. I like being in the pool. I loved being with my students and be able to help them with their swimming and playing a ball game of some kind, just any kind of thing. It was just fun. However, I turned around one time and I noticed that with my first glance that Emily was not where she had been at all. She's just gone, disappeared. And we were in the shallow end. And I glanced around and then realized she had fallen like under the water. She was just floating so I called out to the APE teacher and we both headed for her. That made sure that we were all, they had made sure going into the school year, every year they trained us each year over and over that we knew how to work with the PE teacher to uh, get a rescue from the kid or to help the kids with rescues. Sure, we were all trained on how to do basic rescues, and I had spent most of my life in the swimming pool. But the other teacher was much stronger and reached her first, which, fine, that's great. It's not a race. I thought maybe she had seizures because she was just floating, 
No signs of fighting for air, nothing. She was just hanging limply. And when the APE teacher pulled Emily up into a swimming position, like a recovery position, Emily had her eyes were wide open and seemed to be looking around as good as she usually did. And the teacher was tending to her, so I went back to the other students. Emily was in good hands with that teacher. And I think, for me, what really bothered me, just eats at me, was just the way she didn't struggle for oxygen or fight to get to the top of the water. She just floated there. And so I kind of almost want her to have had a seizure that we just missed because she just floated so limply. I mean, is that going to happen to her again? I mean, it's, if she's had a seizure, then at least it would explain maybe she was kind of unconscious a bit, and that's why she wasn't floating to the top and fighting to get to the top to get oxygen. I just hope it wasn't just apathy, because everything else she did was almost apathetic. It was, it was scary. It was just scary. I like doing this. I like sharing this. These are good stories, and they're stories that I learn stuff from. And so I'm hoping you learn stuff from it also. I really do hope that something comes out of it for you. And if not, even just a little bit of a giggle or maybe a tear shed. I don't know. But I think I'll keep doing it. And not constantly, not all the time, just as it comes up. You can let me know by downloading this. And then I see the numbers go up and then I'll know that it's a wanted thing. All right, so my information to email me with is jco at touching-success.com. All right, have a great and wonderful day.